This week we talk about the role of psychedelic mushrooms in human evolution. Before we start the episode, just want to apologize for my low quality mic recording in this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Swerve Podcast. It's your co-host, Izzo. I'm joined by Magnum. What's up? If you're a first-time listener and you're wondering what you stumbled across, we're the Swerve Podcast, and we are two random dudes on a mission to understand everything in the universe, one obscure topic at a time. So our premise here is very simple. Every week, we pick a listener-requested topic, we research it, and then discuss it on the fly during the podcast. And I think maybe before we get into today's topic, Izzo, you have some special words to say to us. I do. Uh, it's just to remind listeners that we do have a Patreon. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash the Swerve Podcast, where you will find additional episodes. There's two tiers right now. There's a $1 Ride the Wave tier, and that'll give you access to those episodes that we release on a monthly. You'll get for just a dollar, you'll, you'll get the entire log that we have there. And then the $3 slap the ass tier, which will give you uh, shout outs on the podcast, access to all those episodes that we have on the Patreon. But you will also get all of our episodes a few days before everyone else. So that includes both the main and the Patreon episodes. You'll get them on Wednesday or Sundays rather than our typical drop time of Wednesdays. Fuck yeah. I think we also have it. <laughs> I have no pants on right now. <laughs> I, think, I think we also have, we have a tradition on this podcast. Is it, do we want to talk about what that is? I mean, yeah, it's a little weird that you took your pants off, but, and I'm saying this, but uh, we take drink recommendations and we like to drink on the podcast. Uh, so usually what we'll do is, you know, just grab something that is either listener requested or recommended. Uh, we'll try it out on the podcast. Other times it's just making Various different cocktails, see how they taste. Uh, so it's a bit of a tradition that we do a round table, and we always try and you know spice it up a little bit. So I'll kick us off first here. So for this episode, I'm trying an exotic beer. It's a mango flavored Mongazoo beer. It's a it's brewed in Belgium. Mongazoo. <laughs> yeah, it's called Mongazoo, and this. <laughs> I thought it was an African beer, but it's not. But they have like other flavors. Like this one's mango. They have like a banana. Uh, what? I'll try, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's oh my pretty God. good. Uh, the other thing I want to say about it, uh, it's the first organic, gluten-free, and fair trade beer in the world. Uh, so oh, that sounds. Is it actually good? Because that sounds terrible. Yeah. So this one is 3.6% <laughs> and it actually tastes really, really good. Like it has, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. Excellent. What about is you? It like what do you have? $35 for one beer? <laughs> no, I think this one was like six or seven bucks for a bottle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a quite the variation. So I'm going to start off today's podcast with a shot of Jägermeister. Um, fun little fact, I was recording some videos uh, for a wedding that I'm not attending, so it was like a congratulations video, and I kept taking shots. I told Izzo this already. I would give my speech and then take a shot, but then I didn't like how the speech went, so I'd redo it and then take a shot, 
And then I didn't like how that one worked, so I had this extra shot left. So that's what I'm doing for this uh, topic to get it kicked off. But more importantly, I have a drink recommendation from our loyal Patreon, Rodimus. He recommended uh, to do a vodka pineapple with a splash of lime drink. He didn't give a name to it, but he's like, hey, just uh, do some vodka, pineapple juice, and splash of lime. So all I did was that. There's a shot of vodka, pineapple juice. I cut a lime in half and then squeezed it into the glass. And then I put three ice cubes in it. And it's it's pretty fucking good. So, I mean, nice. having that <clears throat> drink recipe will be available on our Instagram um, for those who want to see that. And then I have some special surprises on deck because, uh, you know, we're talking about the stoned ape theory today, so you might as well get fucked up. I don't know. Do we hop into the basics at this point, or what are we, what are we doing? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm sure some people have heard about it, stoned ape theory. And also, like, this was a topic that listeners could have voted on on our Instagram. Oh, right. Uh, yes, so, this was a part of that. Yeah, the topic that actually won was the Federal Reserve, but this one was a very, very close second. Uh, so we decided to do it as well. So there was some interest in it. And, yeah. Yeah. I should also say before we go into the basics, this was recommended by uh, one of our loyal patrons, Horatio Wolf, as well. He did recommend it. And we, <laughs> it also got voted on. So we're doing it. Um, okay. Let's go into the basics. This stoned ape theory, I think this, honestly, I had heard of it. Um, I didn't really go in depth in it. I had heard of it through the Joe Rogan podcast. And I really think Rogan kind of popularized it um, in the mainstream, right? Because like, yeah, he does bring it up him and his like crew. They, they do bring it up occasionally here and there. So I think that's kind of where I first heard it. I don't know that were were you aware of the term at least before this yeah I, I i as well first heard it on the joe rogan podcast um i didn't really look into it further than that uh until we actually had to like start researching for the topic but yeah i've, I've noticed uh he does mention it a few times throughout the years so yeah so i want to before i go through the basics and outline what the hell the stone tape theory is I have a couple shout outs. I have, I want to shout out Oscar Olson um, from the university of Scoved and Nicole, I probably butchered that university name and Nicole Lopez from California Institute of Integral Studies. Uh, I actually used a lot of their writing to form the basis of the research of this topic. Um, so the, the, the first guy, he had uh, some kind of school paper thing. He wrote it was, it's called the stoned ape hypothesis a contemporary reappraisal in the light of new evidence. And the other girl, hers was uh, an exploration of linguistic relativity theory for consideration of Terence McKenna's stoned ape theory on the origins of consciousness and language implications for language pedagogy. So if listeners actually want to dive deeper, there's are some, the main sources, but let's get into it. Stoned Ape Hypothesis or Stoned Ape Theory, this was proposed by Terence McKenna in 1992. So Terence McKenna, 
He's kind of an extremely popular thought leader and author in the psychedelic community. And he was uh, what's called an ethnobotanist. I I don't know. I think maybe, I don't, I don't know if this is how true this is, but I think he kind of, he might be the first ethnobotanist. I don't know. (laughs) Like, is that, I don't know. Is that a thing or is that, I think I kind of got the vibe that was associated with just him. (laughs) Like, and psychedelics Never, i don't know heard of that before but anyways he did pass away in uh the year 2000 so he didn't make it quite into the millennium the new millennium but he had he had some very interesting quotes can i just uh bring uh, up for the listeners yeah. ethnobotany is the study of how people of a particular culture and region make use of indigenous native plants so like people that study ayahuasca in peru or whatever Yeah, I felt like there was a psychedelic tilt to that, for sure. Maybe. So, yeah. Like, it wasn't like food sources. It's like, there was like a psychedelic tilt. At least that was my (laughs) pulse on the the field. So, actually, there's actually a pretty decent quote from Terrence McKenna that relates to this topic. So, we're going to, we'll start with that. This is what he had to say, quote, It is important to remember that our epistemological tools have developed very unevenly in the West. We know a tremendous amount about what is going on in the heart of the atom, but we know absolutely nothing about the nature of the mind. End quote. So essentially, what the pro- if I were to outline what the problem is that the stoned ape theory is trying to solve, the problem is, if we were to phrase it in a question, how did human brains and intelligence evolve so rapidly? Um, how did human cognitive capacities outpace everything else so rapidly? So to put, that doesn't really make too much sense, but I'm going to say a couple facts and then those questions will make sense. So like essentially Homo erectus, um, like the size tripled between two mil, like the size of their brain tripled between 2 million and 700,000 years ago. And then Homo sapiens, so us humans, the species of human, our brains grew three times larger between 500,000 and 100,000 years ago. So basically what it's saying is that our predecessor, so Homo erectus, and then us Homo sapiens, like we have these massive, you know, brain increases. And basically, it's said that this is the fastest advance recorded for any complex organ in the entire history of all life. So what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Like that, it's very special. It doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. Like to me, I didn't know. I knew that there was something rapid. I didn't know it was quite that rapid and that it was that extreme. You know, like our brains that that's crazy. Wasn't it like it doubled in the span of two years? Or is that kind of like how they're relating it? It could be. um, What do you mean? Because I don't think it literally doubled in two years. Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? (laughs) That'd be very hard to document and track. I think what you're saying is what you're saying is maybe like in the context of like a human lifespan, Mm -hmm. it would be like the human brain doubling or tripling, you know, lifespan. Okay. Like, like, you know, relative to like 80 years, it'd be like in two years, 
it yeah. tripled or some shit. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. Yeah, like compared to like you know the the fossil record, which is like millions of years. So like they're saying essentially what they're saying, you know, within you know mil- like one two million years for Homo erectus, it it fucking tripled, and then for Homo sapiens again it tripled, but it was like you know, within 400,000 years only. Yeah. So they're, you know what I mean? Like they're like, and in those, it's very long time, but in the context of like all of life, it's a very short amount of time. Like it's nothing at all. It's just a blink. Well, maybe it's not a blink. It's more like a, (laughs) what's like a a quick little, you rest your eyes for five seconds because someone said something fucking stupid and you're just like, (laughs) it's like one of those. (laughs) I feel like I'm the person that says something stupid now and you're blinking. <laughs> All the listeners just blink and forget what I said. <laughs> um, no, that's not what I'm referencing. It's the only thing I could think of. The <laughs> So basically, essentially, this this tripling, this is like unprecedented. And it it, it implies that there's massive selective pressures, like evolutionarily. So the question is, what was or were these selective pressures? What was it that caused for the selection of humans with larger and larger brains? Like, what what the fuck was it? And the stoned, insert the stone ape hypothesis at this point. The stoned ape theory proposes that hallucinogens, specifically psilocybin mushrooms, propelled human evolution. So it's it's a hypothesis explaining how Homo erectus may have evolved into Homo sapiens. And so Terence McKenna, he wrote about this in 1992 in his book, uh, Food of the Gods. And he posited that psilocybin caused the primitive brain's information processing cap- uh, capabilities to rapidly reorganize, which in turn kickstarted the rapid evolution of cognition that led to like early art, language, and technology. So like when they're saying like early art, this would be like cave paintings and stuff. Um, And we get into it. There are a bunch of cave paintings with like mushrooms and shit. Um, And like the technology he references, like this would just be like fire. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? It wouldn't be like crazy. Yeah. Fire tools. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Even even like shit. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe even like cool hunting pattern, like, you know. Strategies or something. Like that. Strategies, shit like that. So the, the the Stone Ape theory, it argues that in theogens, so this is the word of the podcast, in theogens, these are plants or chemical substances that awaken or generate mystical experiences. So they, it's arguing that these in theogens, they might have played a role in the development of um, a communal spiritual spirituality. So this, if you think about it like this, this communal spirituality, it doesn't really seem that important, but it's actually extremely important because it gives the species a massive competitive advantage. So we did talk about this in other podcasts, like the God gene and shit like this, that there's, if, if, if your species has a capacity for a shared mythos, it enables your species to organize into like complex large societies so because we can have a shared mythos um you know instead of just having a tribe of like you know 10 20 even 50 members 
you can now have like a tribe of like 500 to like a thousand because you all have this shared mythos like whatever the fucking mythos is it can be it can vary but because you can all kind of use that as an anchor you have this you can have a large society and then if you have like a 500 person tribe now and the other tribes only have like 50 person tribes like the neanderthals you just wreck shit like they can't they actually just can't even compete with you at all yeah so yeah that's one of the theories on like why you know these advanced hominid species went extinct and why homo sapiens survived it had to do with a shared mythos and then it also it also like um further intensifies like the brain development so if you have 500 people you interact with whereas others are only interacting with 50 well now your brain has to be more complex to like you know have a have the same language as 500 people start organizing yourselves in the most efficient way and start like you're i don't know start making laws and yeah. organizing yourself to like behave a certain way as well where it doesn't necessarily have to be that way with groups of 10 to 50 people that's a good point yeah so that is like a selective pressure in itself enabled by the mythos mm-hmm um, so essentially, there there are some who argue that entheogens could be the missing link that researchers and scholars are looking for to explain this, uh, I don't know, like this rapid brain increase. Um, so just while we're in the basics, I have, because I know maybe there are some listeners who aren't aware of what psilocybin is, even though it is becoming more and more popular. Uh, it's more and more freely talked about these days. But it's a psychedelic substance that some mushrooms possess. So the idea is, is this like the entheogen that is propelling the evolution of human brains? Or could it have been, you know, in the past? So psilocybin, it was first isolated in 1958 and then synthesized in 1959 by a Swiss chemist named Albert Hoffman. Um and interestingly, the molecular structure of psilocybin, it closely resembles serotonin, which is like a chief neurotransmitter that, you know, allows neurons to communicate in the brain. And what's really interesting, like, I think like DMT is also closely related to serotonin. So it seems like, you know, like psychedelics, they just, their structure is very close to like one of our neurotransmitters, serotonin, just in general. And I mean, it's not the first time that like, or it's not the only instance that it's similar to a neurotransmitter. Like we have cannabinoids in our bodies as well that like, you know, if there's THC in your system, it'll activate that or, you know. So the psilocybin, this it, it becomes dephosphorylated in the intestinal mucosa. And it, it, basically what, through that dephosphorylation, it converts into something called psilocin. And this is what distributes throughout the body and, you know, acts on like the serotonin receptors and shit like that. And it becomes completely excreted within 24 hours. Uh, What's interesting, so the psilocybin, when it's converted into the psilocin, uh, it it becomes greatly concentrated in the neocortex, the hippocampus, and the extrapyramidal motor system. So you can see, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make with that is maybe that's not that surprising if it's like close to serotonin and it's binding serotonin receptors. Those are where serotonin receptors are, but that's where it shows up. So like, 
it's not surprising that people get fucked up on this because it's like yeah. concentrating in like your brain structures that are important for shit. But just one thing I want to add to this is, um, I guess the idea is that through the use of psilocybin, you actually can decrease activity of what's called the default mode network in the brain. And this is an area in the brain that's thought to be the neural substrate of the ego. So like your sense of self, your sense of identity, uh, like your ego, basically like what, what you think you are as an individual that's thought to be, you know, potentially associated with or related to the default mode network. So if you disrupt the default node mode network, um, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about tripping and shit, they talk about like ego death and like, they feel like connected to everything, shit like this. That could be because, well, like literally the part of your brain that causes you to have the sense of self is downregulated. That's the idea. And I know like we did a DMT topic it was like way back, like episode 22 or some shit. Um, if I get that right, that's sick. But like, that's the idea. Like, yeah, and, I th- and I think we touched on it before where it's like, we know that our brain does these things to help us interact with the world around us. Like our eyes have the image upside down and then our brain flips it just based on like how the, you know, our optical nerves converge or whatever right just like the anatomy of it yeah and it's like our brain does these things all the time where it's just like okay i'm gonna emit these signals or whatever sounds sights whatever because it doesn't necessarily we don't need it but then when you down regulate it it's like everything goes out of whack so you might for example like see uh like see something that you haven't seen before like uh hear colors type of type of shit (laughs) and we've also like talked about it as well where it's like you can get to that place with psychedelics uh some certain drugs even meditation or people that have like ndes like near-death experiences it's thought that okay there was a moment where down regulated or something went wrong in the default mode network and then they had like hallucinations of you know seeing god or like dead relatives stuff like that 100 percent. so i guess based on while we're in the basics here the i guess the theory was largely overlooked by the scientific community even still fuck i always just have like when i read my notes i have such a disdain for like like authority and like government it just like comes through (laughs) in my notes sometimes we're talking about psilocybin and all of a sudden i'm just like (laughs) shitting on the government again So I was like, okay, with the next note I have, uh, research using psilocybin has been greatly halted by central planners of the nation state. So in the 1970, it was classified as a schedule one drug um, by the Controlled Substances Act in the US. And what's interesting about that is currently research with a lot of psychedelics is becoming more and more mainstream. So like Johns Hopkins, um, they actually study a fuckload of psychedelic stuff and there's this organization that's called maps um we could do a future topic on maps if people want to hear that let us know because that would be sick but they're like kind of at the forefront of like a psychedelic renaissance and what's interesting about that they have like game-changing results with different psychedelics um using them with terminally ill patients treating depression anxiety and addiction 
So my point being is like the fact that this was in the seventies, there was like a halt on psilocybin. You know, we don't even know. We can't even calculate the damage that did to medicine period. And again, that's why fuck the government. These motherfuckers, they're like, no, it's sinful. And it's like, shut the fuck up. I mean, could have all been a part of the plan. Like halt the study of these natural occurring plants and stuff that have healing properties. Uh, so you can push your big pharma medicine and destroy, you know, what we actually ingest in terms of food to make us sicker and profit more. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of shit associated with Taxes theft. <laughs> <laughs> of note, before we get out of the basics here, some interesting little factoids with the stoned ape theory. Number one, there's some early human cave art that uh, contains depictions of mushrooms. So there's, it's called the Bee-Faced Mushroom Shaman of Tassili and Najar. Probably butchering that pronunciation. There's also the Selva... Pascula mural in Cuenca, Spain. Again, probably pronounced all of that wrong. <laughs> but there's some mushroom paintings in the early primitive art record. There's also, uh, number two, there's some evidence of mushrooms being used religiously in early Egyptian culture, which is really cool. Um, I actually didn't know that that was the case. I, I knew, like, there's a lot of, like, weird mystic shit associated with Egyptian culture, but I didn't know specifically mushrooms could have been involved. Um, number three, there's evidence of mushroom use dating back 3000 years in Mexico. So that's pretty fucking crazy. That's like, it's like before Christ hmm. using mushrooms. Yeah. Jeez. Maybe, uh, spawned the thoughts of Christ. Yeah. There's actually, there's actually a bunch of, yeah. <laughs> if people want to learn a topic on that, that'd be a fun topic to do too. Um, <sighs> mystery drink. Mojito in a can. Mojito in a can. They're, they're good. <laughs> I found them finally and I tried them. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. pretty good. They're really good. Number four, there's evidence of psilocybin mushroom occurrence in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and Africa again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my note-taking skills. Um, <laughs> number five, uh, evidence of psilocybin mushrooms use in the Aztec and Mayan civilizations, so like the oldest civilizations. I guess there's some translations in Aztec and Mayan civilizations that translate to, they refer to this mushroom as God's flesh. Okay, the last one, there's evidence of indigenous use of mushrooms um, mistaken as pagan idolatry by the Catholic Church missionaries um, I guess that there's 200 mushroom stones that have been found intact. So there's just evidence that people were, you know, worshiping mushrooms and shit. And the Catholic church was like, they're pagans. Mm. Probably killed them in the name of God. Uh, the cool thing about mushrooms is like, they can pop up anywhere. They've been around for literally the longest time. Humans are genetically related to mushrooms or fun fungi. I was just going to say, so on the genetic thing, when you were saying, uh, like mammals were evolutionarily closer, more closely related to mushrooms than we are, than, than mushrooms are to plants. Yeah. 
That's which you crazy. wouldn't expect. You you would think mushrooms like fungi are more related to plants, but they're actually not. They're more related to mammals. Yeah, so essentially like the origins of mammals. Well, not the origins, but they kind of like helped spawn mammals. The, the common ancestor for mushrooms and uh, like eukaryotes is more soon in the timeline than it is for the common ancestor of plants and mushrooms or plants and humans. It's weird. <laughs> what? Before we continue the episode, if any of you stoned apes are enjoying our podcast, the people you hang out with probably will too. Do us a solid and please pass on this episode to your social media friends on Facebook, Twitter, or other platforms. We would definitely appreciate your support. I'd also like to take this time to shout out some of our valued listeners. Shout out to our awesome new Patreons, Shelly, Terry, and Tracy T for coming in at that Ride the Wave tier. Thank you for your support. Also, massive shout-outs to Tim, BM Games 96 and Alexius Ryan for coming in at that slap-that-ass tier on Patreon. Tim, thanks for the awesome custom message and topic recommendation. I think today's episode should be right up your alley. Also, BM Games 96, you're a champion. I'm sending you good vibes of energy and prosperity. And lastly, Alexius Ryan, massive shout-out. Alexius came in and created her own fucking tier after listening to our entire catalog from episode one. Thank you for your continued words of encouragement and tags and shoutouts on Instagram. You deserve an award. Truly appreciate you all. To everyone else, please feel free to submit your topic or drink recommendations at www.theswervepodcast.com. May good karma and vibes be with all of you. Back to the show. because of that like diseases that affect mushrooms also affect humans so a lot of like our first medicine was if you can save the mushroom from that disease you can eventually like save the human from that disease like penicillin was kind of formed through those studies as well um and then like oh shit yeah, mushrooms have like healing properties you can nutrient properties that like some of their nutrient complexes are crazier than other food sources that we have and then some can kill you and some can you know cause you to hallucinate so there's just see god <laughs> there, yeah all over the place yeah no it, that is crazy so i can i can see why it's so important in some cultures and like in our history as well like why so many of our cultures you know idolized mushrooms really yeah that's a good point just to add it, if we're not, we're dropping fucking mushroom knowledge here, there's um, a couple things that are really interesting. So like the mushroom itself, that's like the reproductive organ that shoots up, but really underneath the soil, you have like these entire like mycelial mats um, that, that technically like that is the fungi, like both are the fungi, but really it's the mycelial mats that matter. Cause like, if you get rid of the mushroom, things just pop out of that mycelial tissue, you could almost say, yeah. it, like over time. What's crazy about the the mycelium, um, there's like, it's, it, it's all connected. So like there's species of mushroom that literally, it's the mycelial mat is just underneath an entire forest. So like if you were to take the biomass of the mycelial mat, I'm going to get the number wrong. This is, this number is not true, but it, the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is true. It's like a thousand times greater the biomass than like a blue whale. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like the one mushroom, because all the mycelium is connected, is greater than like the, the largest mammal in existence. Which you mm-hmm. went, it's kind of crazy. Like that's kind of weird to think about. And it's all like connected so that it just like talks to us it, itself like a giant organism in the earth. It's- Dude, it's even crazy. One more fact about the, the mycelium. So like they'll form um, relationships with plants, like symbiotic relationships with like plant roots and stuff, but also like other fungi and shit. And like they do, they have any, like a marketplace economy. And I, I, I really literally mean that. So like you'll have some mycelium, like say they need to transfer this nutrient in area A, like area A has plant number one and plant number one really likes a certain nutrient. So like in area A, the mycelium will like transfer that nutrient at a higher price to that plant by price. What I mean is like whatever the plant is giving the mycelium in exchange for that nutrient, they'll demand more of it in area A versus area B where that plant doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> yeah, I it's didn't know fucking that. nuts. Like they, they actually operate on like literally like a free market economy. I saw another uh, video. Sorry. This just another mushroom fact, uh, but like the Tokyo subway system, in Japan, uh, what they did, like they already had their subway system built, but then what they did was like they had these oat kind of like energy sources scattered where every like major urban area around Tokyo was, and then Tokyo was like the center. And then they had the fungi or the myce- mycelium mat grow. And at first, it kind of just grew randomly, and then it started connecting to these like energy hubs or like cities or urban centers were. And then, like, it started to rearrange itself in, like, more efficient networks between the two. And it's more efficient than what humans developed in their, like, train system. Yeah, I did see that. That's crazy. That it just, like, knew the best way to do it. Like, it first tried to figure it out, and then it just grew on these, like, highways or subway or train tracks type of thing between the Yeah, it, like, adapted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's smarter than us, too. It's crazy. Like, there is an (laughs) intelligence to it. Yeah. Um, which you wouldn't expect. There's like the deep intelligence. Like they're operating a fucking free market economy. It's like, what? I have one final mushroom fact. Um, if you find a really big like mushroom, the head of a mushroom, you can actually build a hat out of it. And people do that. You can find <laughs> mushroom hats. Yeah. It's really flammable <laughs> like, though, right? I don't know. They probably put preservative and shit. Like, you know, like how you buy like a leather hat? You can literally yeah. buy like a hat that's a mushroom. And it's like... <laughs> It'll last. That's cool. I don't know. Fun fact. <laughs> if we ever have a fucking Shopify store for the podcast, maybe we'll, we'll mushroom sell mushroom hats. hats. <laughs> maybe we'll sell mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta support now the, the podcast somehow. Yeah. <laughs> shut them down. Shut them down. Okay, let's talk about the stoned ape theory. Let's do a deep dive. Now... Again, just to state the problem in a different way. Um, so like evolutionary theory, it, it can explain a lot of things. So like you can explain like the weird tongue that a hummingbird has. We can explain eyesight and like why predators have a certain vision type and why prey have a certain vision type. You know, like mating habits, migration patterns, like all this shit you can explain through evolutionary theory. 
But the human neocortex, we can't really explain it. And it's strange because the same organ that we used to think up the theory of evolution, we can't explain with the theory of evolution. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, it's very strange. So the stoned ape theory, it proposes that the missing link, like what we're missing it to explain that rapid expansion of the human brain, it, it's dietary changes that were brought on by climate change in a nutshell. So I think Terrence McKenna, he says, uh, quote, we ate our way to higher consciousness, end quote. So to put this in perspective about what happened with the stoned ape theory, or what it's saying, or what it proposes. So the continent of Africa was drying out over extremely long geological times. So actually, it's funny. We did an episode on, what was it called? The Rycott structure, where we talked about how Atlantis might have come being in Africa, like in the eye of the Sahara Desert. Yeah. (laughs) Funny enough. And when we were doing that research, like 9,000 to like 13,000 years ago, um, even further than that, like it was tr- like tropical in Africa. Like there was like a lot of like grass and like rivers and like lakes and shit. Mm-hmm. So over time though, apparently this started drying out. So it led to ideal conditions for the growth of psilocybin containing mushrooms. So fruit eating hominids who, you know, w- were adapted to this, ecosystem that was like abundant with like plants and fruits that they could eat they're getting less of that now so they start seeking new food sources as the climate's changing and like what they're used to is becoming more scarce so due to the gradual dying um, of rainforest habitats this kind of led to grasslands and savannas popping up Um, like we're talking long geological stretches of time and these habitats were ideal for ungulates so these ungulates, they would graze on the savannas and grasslands. And <laughs> this is funny. It sounds crazy. But because they're grazing, they're also shitting everywhere, which creates ideal conditions for the growth of mushrooms. What's crazy, um, there's modern paleogeographical research can confirm, at least confirm that these conditions did occur. So like, we go from rainforest to like savannas and like there's shit that eats the grass. Yeah. The stoned ape theory is proposing that they're shitting everywhere and there's mushrooms growing out of the poop and that the hominids, because they need new food sources are eating the mushrooms. I don't know. And just to say a little bit more on this, Um, These mushrooms, uh, according to McKenna himself, they can be very massive and in some cases as large as dinner plates. So the likelihood of hominids discovering the food sources, like these mushroom food sources in the savannah was probably pretty high. Like that's the idea. Yeah. I have a really long quote from Terrence McKenna, but it has to adapt. It it ties in really well with what we just said. I'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll do it right. Let's, uh, Terrence McKenna, he said the following, he said, quote, The first encounters between hominids and psilocybin-containing mushrooms 
may have predated the domestication of cattle in Africa by a million years or more. And during this million year period, the mushrooms were not only gathered and eaten, but probably also achieved the status of a cult. But domestication of wild cattle, a great step in human cultural evolution, by bringing humans into greater proximity to cattle also entailed increased contact with the mushrooms. Because these mushrooms grow only in the dung of cattle, as a result, the human-mushroom interspecies codependency was enhanced and, deep and deepened. It was at this time that religious ritual, calendar making, and natural magic came into their own. End quote. Very strange quote, because what's interesting about this, not only does it tie into what we just said, but we know that there's a lot, it could be a possible explanation for like the propensity of cattle worship in some cultures, like India and Egypt. Oh, that's like interesting. You have these, these, yeah, unglets or maybe even just straight up cattle at the time. They're shitting, and then this mushroom, God's flesh is growing out of the shit. <laughs> Someone eats it, and they like literally see God and all this weird shit. So they would, you know, they're like, oh, it came from the cow. So they yeah. might, it might be sake, have a sacred value to them. Interesting. I wonder how true that is. I like that yeah. tie in. I don't yeah. know how much evidence there is, but I hope that's the case because that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine if that's the case? Yeah. Because, you know, like someone at some point was actually eating the shit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, someone ate it and had, like, an experience and they didn't quite know what it was. Like, like was it the mushroom? Was it the shit? So, there was that one guy who was just going around eating, like, dog, like, cow shit. Yeah. No, I don't see what's happening. And probably it just got gets like, really sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like some like rank E. coli poisoning or something. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly, that's a big critique I have on the whole thing. Anyways, is like, are people like because if you have shit growing out of shit, are you gonna eat it? I don't know. It'd have to be, like, in an area where there was a lot of shit, and then, like, time passed, and then the mushrooms grew. I don't think you would just see a mushroom out of a pile of shit and just take it. No. I don't think you would either. But, like, that shit provides the nutrients in the soil. Right. That's what that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Like, it's not literally coming out of the shit. It's like... Like, it is, but it's but not. Also like, mean the shit's like, long gone and fertilized the area. I also, like... It, it's not going to be like fresh shit that contains mushrooms. <laughs> like it's going to be dried up. You have to flip it over and then you might find mushrooms under it. So it's like as hard as like, I don't know, like cardboard or something. So it's not fresh. It's <laughs> not fresh. Yeah. Fresh poo poo. Yeah. So it's, it's, better, <laughs> it's better. The question. So, okay. So this, this, this explains where the mushrooms are coming from and like, how people might be coming across them, but like, how is this providing an advantage to human evolution? So there's what's called the dose stairway theory that explains where some of these advantages are coming from, from consuming the mushrooms. So the dose stairway hypothesis, it divides the, what would you say? The, the advantages of using mushrooms over not using them at different doses. So the low dose a low dose of psilocybin 
the uh, McKenna argues that this increases visual acuity. So there's this guy named Roland Fisher. Um, he has a series of experiments that investigated this, and he believed that psilocybin was like uh, like chemical binoculars. In, um, so essentially, the idea was it increased edge detection, and this would be really, really valuable for a hunting species like Homo sapiens. So those who were consuming these mushrooms at low doses, you know, they would gain actually more access to food because they would have increased hunting success, which would allow improved reproduction and survival capacities. So that's one way consuming the mushroom might have given like an evolutionary advantage. At a moderate dose of psilocybin, um, you get stimulation of the central nervous system, which can produce arousal. This is literally what he argues. He's like, essentially, people are just going to get more horny if they yeah. consume mushrooms. So you're going to have enhanced reproduction. And if you have a greater number of offspring, you know, there's greater chances of survival and there's greater, you know, uh, what's the word? Like recombination of the genomes. So you have greater variation in the species. So likely more, you're more able to, you're more adaptable. I guess that's mm -hmm. the idea. You're just fucking more. I don't know. Yeah. On shrooms. <laughs> um, lastly, at high doses of psilocybin, this causes profound boundary dis uh, dissolutions, facilitating mystical experiences. So the idea here is through, you know, facilitating these mystical experiences that you get enhanced cooperation or pro-social behaviors. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into this. So I have a couple points that like kind of tie off this high dose. So one of them is it might positively alter personality development and um, induce disintegration of the ego. So McKenna, he posited that this could have led humans to disregard monogamous pair bonds, resulting in male paternity being lost. Um, I guess the idea here is that this lifestyle combined with ego suppression uh, like due to the psilocybin, this could have produced like a nomadic partnership society where all the children were everyone's responsibility in the tribe. Um, so like everyone's involved because no one knows who the father is. Everyone's involved in raising raising the child. Mm. Um, I actually don't think that this is the case um, at all. Um, I don't know about you, but like I understand the the logic here. I just think that. Um, I, I find I, I honestly like I, there's not a lot of evidence that this would be the case. Yeah. Like cross culturally also... across like, you know, history, uh, monogamous pair bonds for homo sapiens is like pretty, that's pretty established. <laughs> yeah. But like, maybe this is kind of relating it to like a cult where it's like, it's just one guy and a bunch of chicks. And then he just like impregnates, you know, Oh, but if it's a harem, everybody knows who the father is. So it, it would still yeah. dispel the idea that everyone's like you have. A, he, but basically what he's saying is you have a better community because no one knows who the father is. And I'm like, I don't think mm. so. <laughs> that's not Maybe how. it's a better community because everyone knows who the father is. It's just like that's. Yeah, I think it'd be more like that. A, a, a more than one female thing <laughs> yeah you got one you got one chad and <laughs> yeah reproducing with all the women he's tripping balls on mushroom and his brain's getting big <laughs> well, yeah maybe he's fucking all the women and then you have all the simps 
raising well, his like kid. The, <laughs> maybe like high doses of the mushrooms were like, oh, it'll like kill the female. So only the males can take the high doses and the males can see God and pass on these messages. And then it becomes like a cult. It, it, we could speculate. I don't know. But I just the idea that uh, like this, this idea that um, polygamy like was a social benefit. I don't buy that. OK, I don't buy that at all. <laughs> if you think about it like a like an early homo sapien or like an early monkey having tripping on mushrooms and having this ego death, you would first have to have the ego in order to have the ego death, which doesn't come until you get the more complex brain. So what came first, the ego death or the more complex brain type of thing? Yeah. So you essentially in saying that just spelled the theory. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no that's 100 percent true that doesn't even yeah it doesn't even the 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 i should be clear on what i'm saying here so what i what you said is extremely interesting um we should linger on that but i want to just refresh my point um because i find a lot of times when we have these podcasts like we say things and like this is when you this is the burden of doing a pot you just say shit yeah and like you don't really explain it so when people hear it it's just like set in stone on the, I, I, I do believe early hominids uh, like pair bonds were a thing, but you did also have when like the polygamy in a sense, it was the, there was always some top leader of the tribe that would have like harems or like polygamous relationships. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think that yeah. was the norm. I think that was more like, whoever was agreed to be like the leader or whatever had that access. But I think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there was a combination of both monogamous pair bonds, but also like polygamist chads, you could say. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, what he's saying is like everyone was a polygamist. Everyone. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm saying, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that case. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I would agree with that. Okay, so what I do buy though, this this increased awareness and like sense of community through this doesn't explain what you just said. Let's let's just table what you said for a moment. If you do have this ego death and you have this increased sense of community, and like everyone's like your friend and brother and sister and shit, this might help increase the propensity for like a shared mythos in the community. And then if you have that shared mythos, it's a lot easier to use that like psychological foundation to like build a society around it. Yeah. So I think that's more likely the, what would you say? The cause. Okay. I would, I would think, I would think that would be more important. Um, so there are some people that argue that language emerges out of this process, which you makes sense because you kind of brought this up in the basics where if you have more people it's like you need to communicate so mm-hmm. there's like a pressure for communication so those who are able to communicate wh- whatever genetic structure you have that allows for better communication those who are able to communicate are going to survive and reproduce better so then their genes get passed on so the next generation they have an increased propensity for communication 
Yeah. So there's more, you know what I mean? So like the language can develop over the generations. So that makes sense to me. Um, and that's a huge advantage for humans. It's, it's in a sense, it's a, it's a psycho technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like a techno, it's not like fire or like creating spears. It's like a, it's a technology that the mind creates kind of like math. So that's cool. The other thing that was interesting, this could be another thing that plays in with this. Um, it might not have any, like, as you were saying, you just said what comes first, the ego death or the ego might have nothing to do with the shared mythos or the ego. It could be just an increased ability to adapt to new situations. So like if you can depattern the mind and create like different modes of perceptions, you might be able to increase the the chances of having novel ideas. Mm-hmm. You might increase the ability to learn something or or increase the capacity for memory. So all of those things, they might, if you go into a new environment, right? If you're traveling, you know, um, what's the, you know, like, cause homo sapiens, like, right. They, they moved from Africa to Europe yeah, because they were looking for more resources. So you're encountering new environments, but if you have this idea to like de-pattern the mind, you might be able to adapt to those new environments even better. So that could get around. You don't even need an ego at that point. It's just, you can just, if you can better figure out how to survive, then you better figure out how to survive. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I guess, mean? I guess that could be on like the creative process as well. So a lot of people, you know, they have these brilliant ideas when they're hallucinating or on psychedelics. So maybe that's related to it. Okay. You're just thinking differently of most efficient way uh, to like organize your society or move or adapt type of thing. The other thing, just to add to this, um, this is something that, so like you, you, you do pass on, so the genetics that enable survival and reproduction, those will get passed on to the next generation and hopefully equip them to be better adapted for survival and reproduction. But the other thing that's missing is there's the, the idea of cultural inheritance. Um, so like if you are tripping on mushrooms. Let's just use fire for an example. It's this is a stupid example, maybe not the case, but no one knows how to make fire. Um, they see like lightning and fire gets created from the lightning. They know it's possible. Someone trips on mushrooms has like an epiphany that, Oh, if we like hit this rock with another rock, maybe we can get a spark and like make a fire. Yeah. Now, because you had that trip, that gave you that idea. Now, culturally, everyone can just inherit that technology okay. that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. So there's that idea as well. And I, I think I would agree with, so it's not, that doesn't, the problem with that, it doesn't explain why the brain got so big. It just explains, well, maybe it does. Cause if you, it, let's say you can hunt better and cook food better, you might have more nutrients to like, mm-hmm have a better brain <laughs> and then you have to have like more language capabilities and you have to be able to like yeah. draw from memory because you're traveling now with this large group looking for resources so, okay. so it's all these things in conjunction that allowed for the it, tripling of the brain it could be yeah so never mind like it actually it could connect to that um the last one which is this is controversial but it's still possible is the idea of epigenetic inheritance so like 
the idea so your genetic code is is completely like the only way the genetic code is changing is, is if there's some kind of de novo like mutation in the genetic code but the diff the epigenetics it's like the layer on top of your genetic code so it's controlling what genes are turned on and off and that can vary widely through a species existence essentially so there's an idea that maybe the mushrooms that second layer the layer on top of the genes so the layer that's telling the genes to turn on and off you might encounter something that's like okay let's turn on more of gene a and turn off more of gene b and there's an idea that that could be inherited yeah so it's like because because your parent or grandparent tripped on mushrooms um this layer of your thing that turns on and and off genes um now is influenced by that where it's like okay there's going to be more propensity for creative thoughts or the more genes yeah. related to that or something okay yeah something like that so like that's what some people say but i do know like because people who like study epigenetics like uh, there's some evidence that it happens but there's also like like twice especially in humans like the epigenetics gets like wiped clean like at conception so like hmm. the, so that you know what i mean so it's like i don't know like that's a controversial but th that's an idea so that's, I, I, you know. I, I could see how there's like a fine line between epigenetics and like just nurture like how you're brought up yeah that would be the cultural inheritance it'd just be a that could 100 percent be a thing there's a fine line though i guess yeah also like like my whole thing with this like how i don't know i i find it hard to believe that they had like okay take this amount of mushrooms for like a low dose before you go hunting take this amount before you like want to have sex and then take this amount <laughs> if you want to just like trip balls it's just like i don't know i find it hard to believe i feel like a hunter might just overdose and then it's just like oh i can't fucking see shit because i'm tripping balls <laughs> it's all purple <laughs> it's all purple <laughs> i don't know i guess trial and error thousands of years of trial and error dude shamans bro do you see that guy that stormed the Capitol? That guy fucking would... He knows. Someone <laughs> knew. You had that guy. <laughs> He's probably on a lot of shit. <laughs> There's some... That guy existed 50,000 years ago. And he yeah. was experimenting. He hmm. knew. There could, there could be someone in the tribe that had that knowledge that did know that, though. Like, that would be a cultural thing, too. You know, you yeah. take this... But I mean, also, See, like, you're not going to get the same dose of psilocybin in the same amount of mushroom each and every time. I don't know. Actually, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know. So, like, if you take what you're... So, is, like, five grams of this mushroom the same as five grams always? Yeah. Just raw. Is yeah. it the same? I don't know. Or is there, like, some that are, like, more concentrated than others? Yeah. So like five grams of this psilocybin mushroom is like X and then five grams of this other psilocybin mushroom is like three X. X. Yeah, three X. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
I don't know. <sighs> Drugs are bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, <laughs> I've got an epic Terrence McKenna quote on all everything we just said, essentially. Um, so let's uh, let's let's do this quote right now. This is what he had to say. He said the following quote. Visual acuity, language use, and ritual activity through the use of psilocybin represented new behaviors. One of these new behaviors, language use, previously only a marginally important trait, was suddenly very useful in the context of new hunting and gathering lifestyles. Hence, psilocybin inclusion in the diet shifted the parameters of human behavior in favor of patterns of activity that promoted increased language. Acquisition of language led to more vocabulary and an expanded memory capacity. The psilocybin-using individuals evolved epigenetic rules or cultural forms that enabled them to survive and reproduce better than other individuals. Eventually, the more successful epigenetically based styles of behavior spread through the populations along with the genes that reinforce them. End quote. I don't know if that sounds anything like Terrence McKenna. (laughs) 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 But I've stuck to it the whole episode. (laughs) It's, uh... It's not completely off. Fuck. Fuck. He, he's hard. He's very like slow, like nerd. That was no, that's, that's good. We'll go with that. So the other thing that the, the stoned ape theory kind of ex- could explain is that it's called the 40,000 year old creative explosion. So approximately 40,000 years ago before homo sapiens migrated from Africa to Europe, there was a leap in human cognitive ability. We've kind of already talked about this. There's this guy named Dr. Thomas Falk. He's a professor of philosophy and education at the University of Dayton. And uh, he had the following quote related to all of this. He said, quote, For the first time ever, these humans lived in worlds of their own creation, materially and symbolically. Like you and I, these humans were capable of creating worlds in their heads and then recreating those worlds in the external physical and social environments. Although other homo sapien, homo species may have efficiently exploited nature, they remained its passive subjects. The key to this major distinction between homo sapiens sapiens and all other hominids appears to be language. End quote. So, kind of interesting. Stone date theory. In a nutshell. So, I was interested in, um, like, what do other people have to say about this? Like, what are other scientists saying? Because, like, right, this is an old theory. 19, what was it? 92, 1992? Yeah. Uh, this guy, Paul Stamets. Um, he actually has a mushroom hat. He's a mycologist that is famous. He's on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. He... <laughs> He gave a talk at Psychedelic Science in 2017, and he did agree. He argued this theory was plausible. So you got that guy back in it. This other guy, Michael um, Graziano, he's a PhD professor of psychology and neuroscience at Princeton University, and he studies consciousness. 
He had not heard of the stoned ape theory, but he does concur that evolution of human consciousness is somehow linked to the formation of communities. So remember we were talking about the shared mythos and like how you can get a bigger community around that. He does agree that a a community is how consciousness evolves. So he argues that the brain had to develop the ability to understand subjective experiences to serve social needs. Um, Since it was evolutionarily beneficial to be socially intelligent, it's uh, reasonable to believe that consciousness evolved as a survival tactic. That's what he has to say. And this is a direct quote from um, this guy. He said the following, quote, It is possible that consciousness emerged partly to monitor, understand, and protect other creatures. And then we turn the same skill inward, monitoring and modeling ourselves. End quote. <laughs> so this other guy, Ian Tattersall, he's a PhD researcher at the American Museum of Natural History. He, he said, so the theory of consciousness has nothing to do with psychedelic drugs, but he does. Emp- so he's not saying that it's related to the stone ape theory at all, but he does emphasize socialization, which the stone ape theory also does. So he's kind of like, he's agreeing that social, so, socialization matters, but he's not mm-hmm. saying that psychedelics helped with social socialization. Okay. So a 2004 paper he had, it was called, it's called what happened in the origin of human consciousness he argued that self-awareness and thus consciousness was born as early man learned to consider itself apart from nature and grew capable of evaluating and expressing the thoughts within its mind. Language developed shortly after, followed by human, modern human cognition. So the point is, there's people, they, they don't agree fully with the stoned ape theory, but they agree with the ideas of like community and socialization being like the, the driving force. Okay. And I guess Terence McKenna would say the reason that socialization and community formed was because of psychedelic mushroom use. Yeah. I guess. So there's, there's some differences, but like, maybe, I don't fucking know. Um, there are there critiques and pushback on this. So this guy, Martin Lockley, PhD, he, uh, the, he was the author of How Humanity Came Into Being. And he, he has some, this is his critique. So if you believe in the stone ape hypothesis, which posits that our ancestors got high and consequently became conscious, that also means arguing that there was a singular cause for the emergence of consciousness. And he says that that seems just very unlikely. So he's just like that a singular cause, it's probably multifactorial. A single thing is probably very unlikely. So he's like, that's his critique. Um, Eliza Girl Dose Dose, PhD. Um, She studies mind-altering substances used for ritual and spiritual purposes by early humans. And she doesn't actually like the stoned ape theory. She said the following, quote, From my point of view, McKenna's hypothesis is too simplistic and lacks direct evidence to support it. That is, any evidence of consumption of hallucinogenic mushrooms by the earliest homo sapiens. End quote. So there's some people who agree, some don't. Who the fuck knows? It's a cool theory. Um, let's hop into final thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck? What do you think about this shit? Yay, nay? Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a possibility that it played into our development as humans. 
but for it to be like the singular cause, like I don't agree with that. Like, and it's it's absurd to think that anything could be the singular cause. Like, I don't know. I I I don't like the wording of that, but I do think like you know it could have helped us gain some clarity in like religion, which helped with the mythos and creating like better communities earlier on than we would have. So I would argue that the stoned ape theory helped us develop as the humans we are today. But for it to actually like be the trigger of the evolution that took us from like pretty much a, a chimpanzee or an ape to a human because of just psilocybin mushrooms, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Because on the one hand, I want to say like, yeah, I think it, I think it's multifactorial. I want to be like that one professor. Like, yeah, there's probably a bunch of things. It might have been, it might have facilitated evolution, but to say it's a sole cause for that increased uh, cognitive capacity, that might be far fetched. I want to say that, but then at the same time, for me to say that, I have to also say, well, what's the alternative? <laughs> you know, like yeah, and. The alter, the only alter, like I'm like, what? The only alternative I can think of to explain a tripling in the brain, I'm like aliens, or like genetic manipulation. <laughs> like, like, you know, a, like, like I don't know the fuck else could it be? Could it be like a mutation? Yeah, but then that's the same logic. It's just it was a single, some chance mutation mm. that was so important, yeah. propagated through everything. It's the same logic at that point. So you know what I mean? Like I'm like I don't fuck. So how would aliens? be the other alternative oh because they would just know they would just know like we are aliens i'm assuming they're advanced no 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 no. they just some other species that's extraterrestrial they're studying us for a long time they're abducting humans they know the human genome they're they're interested in dna they're like oh this is how this works and they know just you know for because they're advanced they just know what genes um influence the forming of community and socialization so they're just like let's just up that <laughs> mm-hmm. let's just insert that here insert this here and uh let's make this trot let's make you know a fresh tribe over here you know put these babies in the tribe no one knows who the fucking father is anyway they're all tripping out tripping on fucking mushrooms throw that baby here and let it go so let it rip the alternative is extraterrestrials played god no i'm just i'm i'm yeah, just yeah, for yeah. podcast i'm just shooting, spooning shit i'm drunk i'm fucking <laughs> yeah i don't fucking know don't i'm know. just I, saying like i don't know what's the alternative like people are like you had a three x increase in brain size and it's never happened to any other species for any other organ in the history of all life what happened I think just like alignment of the stars type of thing. Like just like the Big Bang produced billions and trillions of galaxies, you know, some aren't capable of life. Some are in this golden ring, so they're capable of life. Same thing happened where it's like we had a bunch of like life species of human there. Some were just in the right conditions at the right time where they, you know, 
learn to have this community. They started cooking with fire, got more nutrients, and it just like was the perfect combination to accelerate their growth. Just perfect storm. Yeah. And it's like we can't get the full picture because like you can't go that far back in time. Like and like even things that we have like tools, it's like, okay, well, like monkeys now are creating spears and stuff. So it's like, okay. Tool yeah, creation doesn't suck. necessarily they don't pass it on though. That's the problem. Like Yeah, but I'm saying like for our species, something happened that just kind of clicked. And then you had a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand years of just it kept clicking. And it's just you became yeah. a dominant species. I mean, that honestly, like, I, I can't say that that's not the case. It, it's just not sexy. I know it's not sexy, but it's like, not based. Think of it, think of it as like a, a a culture or something. A culture has the right nutrients, and then it just like explodes in growth. Whereas the same type of thing, lacking those nutrients or ingredients, doesn't have the same type. Of growth. Say that again. I missed the the comparison. I'm saying uh, it's just like the perfect storm of ingredients really um so like in a culture or bacterial culture it's like if you provide it with everything it needs you're going to see more growth than if you lack something in there at this moment yeah it was we had everything we need we needed and it just like exploded like exponential capabilities the the question would be so what was the needs then what were the ingredients that would be the language because like it seems like no one knows nutrients but why did i think yeah language for sure but it seems to me that the language emerged out of the ability for the shared mythos like if you didn't have these large groups communication is less important so like what there had to be something like what caused the group because right the scientists that weren't they it was community and socialization that mattered it appears yeah. So what was before that to cause that? That's the question. I don't know. But there's like species that communicate and interact and they have their own little groups. Like But they suck. Colonies. We crush them. We crush things. them. They've been the same for like millions. They didn't triple in brain size and shit. That's the that's the problem. <sighs> I don't know. It's the problem. It's it's very peculiar. It's there had to be some catalyst. It appears, and here's the thing: like I don't fucking know. I I didn't look at other theories. So the stoned ape theory is like it just seems like it it could explain things, but I just I just don't. I just although I can't come up with an alternative, I don't know. Like it, to me, it's. It doesn't seem right. It just seems like Terrence McKenna, like he drops acid, he drops mushrooms, he like loves DMT, he like likes yeah. this shit. So he's like, oh, it just this is why. It seems like a very biased interpretation. It's like, oh, I just solved everything. Like this is everybody just do mushrooms and like humanity's solved. We have no issues. Kind of, you know, like it's just he would say that about everything. It's like, of course, of course it's psychedelics. Yeah. It's the answer for everything. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a very biased thing, but I don't know what the alternative is. And it could just be a limitation. Like, I just don't know because I didn't study enough. 
you know, like one of these professors, they could be, oh, this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, we didn't even think of that. Like, here's one. I know that, uh, this is just an example. I know that, like, it, there's a correlation between, uh, like, lower monkeys that, like, the monkeys, the, the monkeys that rely on fruits for their main, like, source of nutrients, they actually have bigger brains than monkeys that don't. Because if you rely on fruits, you need to have a memory of where that tree is that bears fruits. So there's a selective pressure to, for memory. So if there's a selective pressure for memory, you just have a larger brain. So that, that's an example of like how one species can have a larger brain than another because this species doesn't need memory because their food source is everywhere. And this species does, they only, they need the fruit. So they have to have a memory. Yeah. So I'm wondering like, what's, what, uh, what could that have been for the human? Like there must've been something You're like, you need a big brain because of this pressure. You have to have it. And I don't know what the fuck it is. It seems like this, the, the community is the only answer. Yeah. He, one of the alternative explanations that I just kind of looked up <laughs> uh, <laughs> is just heavily focused on, on language. The thing is, we needed to survive. Language enabled us to be more efficient with gathering and like propelling, hunting, hunting, yeah, reproducing, etc. So language was the thing that we needed. That was the catalyst. And as we became more efficient with that, your brain had to grow. Yeah, because you need better memory to like actually remember the store words, concepts, remember and speak words. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Ah. So why didn't all the other species do that? <laughs> Maybe their the structure of their brain was different where it didn't have the capability of increasing trip 3x, 10x, whatever. Yeah. We you don't have fuck it. I'm going capability aliens. of it. Okay. I'm going aliens. This is it's too much. There's no fucking way. I'm going cocaine. Stone Age theory's cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a book cocaine in your heart. You got all these like early homo yeah. sapiens. <laughs> just it was talking MDMA. About, like, it wasn't mushrooms. It was <laughs> Molly. Yeah. Everyone just loved fucking. And that's what yeah. <laughs> really propelled our brains. I'm going aliens. I, yeah, fuck it. When in doubt, you just fucking aliens. I'm going. Because why not? I'm going. We're trying to like. We don't really know how long. Or how much can happen in X amount of time based on our evolution. So it's just too big of a concept for us to understand of like how many little things can happen and how fast evolution can take place because we've only been studying like the last 10,000 years. When there's yeah. billions or millions of years before that. And we're Fair just enough. trying to simplify it like okay, well, like in our 10,000 years, we did this. So there's no that way that evolution could have done this in 100,000 years. But it's like, you don't know that. We couldn't solve the problem. <laughs> but we hope we educated you and like introduced the theory and some other ways of thinking about it, maybe. Or if none of that, at least you got some mushroom facts. Yeah. Get a, you can maybe get a nice hat out of all this. Yeah. 
so yeah, first and foremost, thank Sidestepping the Sun, a Canadian rock band that made the intro and outro music to the podcast. Shout out to them for that. As always, unofficial sponsor of the podcast, Al Yucateco Hot Sauce. Um, I just love spicy food, and I think if you like spicy food, you'd like Al Yucateco Hot Sauce because I eat it almost every day, and it's good. It's habanero-based, so it's not your basic bullshit, um, like ketchup bullshit that you get, you know, if you're on a cut or you just want to flavor food and you don't want to, I don't know, <laughs> accumulate weight, you just throw it on your food, it's good. I don't know what else to say about it, it's good. We're going to keep shutting them out until they sponsor this podcast, and when they do, we'll give everybody free hot sauce and it'll be sick. Put it on mushrooms. Yeah, uh, that would be pretty good. Uh, just to mention it once again, if you've listened to the episode so far and you've enjoyed it, we have more episodes and they're on Patreon. Or if you just, you know, like what we're doing here and you want to support us, uh, you can do so by going over to patreon.com slash the swerve podcast. There you'll find two tiers, the $1 ride the wave tier, which will give you access to that bank of episodes that we release every month. It'll give you shout outs on the podcast as well. Then we also have the $3 slap the ass tier, which will give you those shout outs. It'll give you access to those episodes, but you will also get the main and the Patreon episodes a few days before everyone else. So you'll receive them on Sundays rather than our typical drop time of Wednesdays. We drop on Wednesdays, right? Yeah. We drop Mark on your Wednesdays. fucking calendars for fucking Wednesdays. Like, stop dropping me. mushrooms on fucking Wednesdays. Drop them a different day. <laughs> We're on Wednesdays. Midweek. This podcast up. comes out on Wednesdays. <laughs> Three weeks in a month type of thing. What's that? Three weeks in a month. There's four weeks in a month. Yeah, but like I'm three confused. weeks. If you're a Patreon member, you'll get three oh, weeks if you're a Patreon member, yes. of episodes per month on average. On Sundays, if you're Patreon. Yeah, if you're Patreon. Well, on the $3. But for regular listeners. Slap yeah. the ass tier. Slap the ass tier. But if you're a regular, regular listener, set a marker in your fucking phone. Wednesdays. We're coming out. Yeah. Do we drop on Fridays? Fuck no. No, we, we don't drop fucking on drop Wednesdays. on Fridays. Drop on fucking Wednesdays. <laughs> Middle of the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know anymore. Do we? Uh, I do want to mention um, you can interact with us on our social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, but it's a nice way to engage with us. So send us your drink recommendations. Send us your topic recommendations. We mentioned that these are all listener-recommended topics that we're covering. So if you see something we haven't covered or you want us to do the research for you, DM us, let us know, uh, and we'll be sure to get, get to your request. Of course, Patreon uh, members do get priority in their topic recommendations. So if you really want us to research your topic and get that episode out quick, uh, consider supporting supporting us on patreon hell yeah um so i i zoned out when you were saying a bunch of shit so i we also have a twitter a facebook and instagram did you say that already or am i just being stupid <laughs> yeah i said that already <laughs> um make sure 
if you're using Apple Podcasts, to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and DM it to us, and we'll send you a sticker pack. So it's your way of getting stickers. Let's say you don't have Apple Podcasts, but you really want to get a sticker pack. Uh, just plead your case. You know, reach out to El Yucateco, like all of our episodes, share it to your friends and family, uh, and just tell us, you know, what you've done, and we'll we'll send you some stickers. Hell yeah. So with We're that, also on TikTok. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we are on TikTok. And maybe with some more interactive uh, or some more cool TikToks rather yeah, than we just got, we got episodes. some stuff in the works. I also want to say um, sometimes our episodes get censored or removed from various platforms. I don't fucking know why. Apparently we're controversial. So if you're wondering where all the episodes are, um, there's a website called bitshoot.com. It's essentially like a shitty version of YouTube, but it's still pretty good. All the episodes are on BitChute. And if you're interested in blockchain technology, there is another website called odyssey.com, which is also all the episodes are on there. So if you're ever wondering, you're like, where the fuck is episode number X? Probably because it was removed. And you can find the episodes there. So sometimes there's stuff you didn't hear and they're on those platforms if you want to check them out. Um, in addition to that, um, this is something we forgot a couple episodes in a row, I believe. Um, but fuck Linktree. I'm just going to say it. Linktree sucks. Fuck them. Don't use them. They banned us. And I'm bitter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Fuck Linktree. Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. I have. Fuck them. I hope they... they need some solidarity. Yeah. I hope they bankrupt themselves. I hope somebody blocks them from you, from... <laughs> I hope someone blocks Linktree from using Linktree. <laughs> yeah. I hope somebody buys the domain of Linktree so then they can't use it. And they have to go do like something else. The problem, I hope Linktree doesn't, I hope whoever runs Linktree, their brain doesn't increase 3x. And I hope the rest of us does. Like we'll be big brain. Yeah. Linktree's not big brain. Linktree's cringe. Linktree's cringe. And what's the one we use now? I don't even know what he's now is. <laughs> mid? Yeah. Is it called mid? That know. sounds is it my URLs? Oh, no. I thought you just said like, what's another word for cringe for Linktree? So I was like, oh, they're mid? Like they're mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh. what we use now is my URLs, yes. Yeah. My URLs is based <laughs> and Linktree is cringe. The Swerve podcast is based. Every other podcast is cringe. <laughs> <laughs> this ending is based. I can't think of another thing. Let's just get the fuck out of yeah, this. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Tell everyone, uh, tell your friends, family about the Stone Dape Theory and where you heard it. And with that, slap the ass. And ride the wave.
Oh, shit. <laughs> That's okay. You exited out of 